electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be able to make friends. I'm just trying to make you a little money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Welcome to the gauntlet. This 72-hour period where the bulk of the biggest companies report is pure mayhem out there. Even if the averages look sedate, Dow inching up three points, this would be declining 0.02%, Nasdaq tipping 0.34%. Stocks are flying all over the place. You got lots of operators who aren't investing. They aren't even trading. They're just gambling, and often gambling ends badly. The house of pain. So let me give you my guide to the gauntlet which, by the way, is also the name of a criminally underrated Clint Eastwood movie. The first thing you need to know is that playing this earnings game is much harder than it looks, although people think, hey, I can just get in this, I can do this, I have a computer. Listen to me. Companies are not horses with CEOs as jockeys, and the enterprise is the horse. When you go to the track, you go to wager on winners. Now, unlike the ponies, there are lots of winners in this earnings season. In fact, we've got many more winners than losers, so you'd think it'd be easier than betting on a race. But that's not the case, though, because the winners tend to surprise you while the losers just show up and no more. What defines a winner in this earnings period? Well, if we could do it with Google. Wow, what a quarter. Take United Parcel, okay, with a stock that's vaulted more than 10 percent today. If you Google, you'll see the stock that's up the most. Now, this was seemingly in response to an amazing set of numbers, right? That's what you think it was, right? That's what we heard all day. But that's not what drove up UPS at all. Sure, the gross margins were terrific. The pricing per package was unbelievably good. However, what you needed to know about UPS is that the new CEO, Carol Tomei, has repeatedly been dismissed, just dismissed on Wall Street as someone who wouldn't be able to tame the beast that is the unwieldy package delivery company with more than 400,000 employees. Now, it didn't matter that she's been on the board since 2003, so she knew what had gone wrong. It didn't matter that she was the dominant CFO of her time at Home Depot. Tomei came on our show after the last quarter, which was widely panned. Right. And promised that from now on, she'd beat all her targets. She said it was over. The missing was done. Well, that's exactly what she did. For many stocks, beating the numbers doesn't mean much. They'll do it all the time. Check out Procter & Gamble, Coca-Cola. Like, yeah, I beat the numbers. 
the numbers were better than expected. Stocks do nothing. In other words, UPS roared today because of the surprise factor. People betting against Cal Tomei. They were wrong. See, this is part of the reason why Alphabet soared tonight, too. When it reported an out-of-this-world top and bottom line beat, based on surprises at two divisions people think are no good, YouTube and the endlessly underrated Google Cloud, which I keep telling you is good. But Microsoft got hit when it delivered a very good quarter that was better than expected, but not insanely better uh, because of the overrating of its cloud, which only grew at 50%, just matching the previous quarter. See, it's surprise. What matters is the game is harder than it looks because of the surprise factor. Everyone knew that Microsoft would have excellent results, whereas lots of investors simply couldn't imagine Alphabet doing this well, even with its advertising business making an incredible comeback courtesy of the great reopening. In short, you want to look for situations where you believe the CEO, but you know lots of others don't. And you want to believe that key business lines will be sharply better than expected, but others don't believe so. Now, you know what? I think I think you got another one coming up. I think you got the setup exactly right when you're thinking about Apple tomorrow. See, Tim Cook's a chronically underestimated CEO with a mosaic of businesses, cell phones, wearables, computers, the service revenue stream, all under one roof. The secret sauce? For the last 20-odd years, Apple's been a consumer-oriented tech company, with a few notable exceptions. They've been shut out of the enterprise. Now, though, they've got it in in. The rise of remote work is basically a Trojan horse for Apple because so many senior executives use Apple machines at home. And for the last year, their home has been their office. You think I'm any different? Think I don't have Apple at home? But this is what you get, okay? Because this is the enterprise. You think I want Apple here? Yeah, but you see, it's the enterprise. Oddly, I suspect Facebook's got a similar situation. You know, they're obviously not good. They're Apple's polar opposite when it comes to privacy. When Apple decided to allow its users to opt out of tracking, Facebook slammed them for hurting small business. Yeah, yeah. Bar San Miguel's tracking everybody in the world. While I like Facebook and genuinely appreciate what they've done for small business, that argument's totally disingenuous. Small business doesn't track our online behavior for heaven's sake. But the endless fouls called against Facebook gives you an opportunity to buy the stock at a discount as long as Facebook doesn't cite Apple's policy as a reason to cut a forecast. I'm betting they won't, although when it comes to Facebook, anything's possible. Now, there's another type of earnings winner. You need a situation where a stock is cheap versus its cohort and can therefore play catch-up. And that's what happened with Wells Fargo and Goldman Sachs. The former underestimated because of past transgressions, the latter because its earnings were viewed as too episodic. Both exploded higher when they delivered earnings that were on a different plane from the past. I still like Wells Fargo here because it's incredibly cheap, trading at 1.1 times its book value, which is what you get if you liquidate the whole business tomorrow, although you're not going to liquidate it. Who else fits the ball? I got one for you. I think the next one could be Ford, Ford Motor Company. They report tomorrow for the close. I know the chip shortage is hurting them. So do you. So does everybody. I mean, is there a person? Do you know? You know. Everybody knows. But what matters is that the company decided to stop selling cars in areas where you can't make money. That means shareholders can finally enjoy Ford's great American profits without seeing them wiped out by Europe or South America. It's a wholesale change in the way they do business. They're actually committed to making money. Strange. No. Stock sells for nearly 10 times earnings. Sometimes the best way to learn from the gauntlet is to look at what failed to rally. So now we're going to consider... Tesla and Netflix. For once, Tesla didn't come into the quarter with heightened expectations. That seemed good, right? In fact, it was the most subdued I can recall, especially with the stock down almost 200 points from its high, which was uh, right after it was uh, added to the S&P 500. The company delivered terrific sales, maybe a little bit constrained by the semiconductor shortage. Just so far, so good. But Tesla's bottom line, it seemed confused. It was confused. Okay, get this. When you subtract a brilliant sale of Bitcoin to rack up $100 million and you adjust for credits along with stock-based compensation, well, what happens? You get almost nothing. 
That's not what the bulls were looking for. We come to expect sales and earnings from Tesla, but we only got the former. When you get when you get people hooked on perfection, Elon, anything less than that will send your stock lower. How about Netflix? Or here's a company where the expectations tend to be too high, but this time because they got such a huge pandemic, a huge boost from the huge pandemic. Will you focus for a second, Kramer? When they got such a huge boost from the pandemic last year, the estimates were sky high. Just one problem. Their subscriber numbers came in much weaker than expected, with management blaming the dreaded pull-through. Oh, that's a term. That term is cost trillions. Pull-through, meaning last year's big sign-ups basically cannibalized this year. The takeaway, when you're dealing with a company that's benefited from the pandemic, make make sure it's still benefiting from the pandemic now that it's over instead of going back to where it used to be. We own Amazon for my charitable trust, but if management uses the dreaded term pull-through, then you have a Katie bar the door situation. And I'm hoping that's not the case. Now, perhaps you don't want to play this game. Well, amen. Maybe you'd rather invest than Wall Street bet on earnings reports, which is a much better idea. In that case, you want to look for stocks that the market misjudged either the rearview mirror work here, either the ones that got slammed because people incorrectly came to the conclusion that they did badly or the ones that simply didn't get enough credit. The former? Okay, well, that's Honeywell or Union Pacific. Honeywell still stole, but it's now mounting a comeback. Union Pacific, remember I told you about it the other day, it's already made it back from ridiculous quarterly sell-off because its prospects are so good. The latter group, the ones that didn't get enough credit, that's Raytheon with the defense business that turns out to be our best hope of countering China, especially if they do something crazy like try to take Taiwan. And I like ATT, too, which reported a great quarter and took risk off its dividend. More on them later. The bottom line. If you're trying to rent stocks for the earnings report derby, now you know what makes for a potential winner. This is this is your rules, okay? Just write them down or take well, you know what? Take a picture of it or like watch it on the video. I don't care, but at least get it put it in your head. But honestly, it's far easier to invest in wrongfully convicted stocks to get knocked knocked down because Wall Street misjudged the results. The gauntlet th- just throws up a lot of buying opportunities. But you got to know what to look for, and you got to use the checklist. I want to start with John in Virginia. John. Great big April booyah money showers to you, Jim. You betcha. I say you betcha to that. What's going on? Here's my company's underreported story. On Thursday, they announced a new capital allocation framework to increase regular quarterly dividends, add a new variable annual special dividend of Four dollars a share. Okay. And buyback shares. All right. Increasing farm labor costs worldwide requires more and more labor-saving agricultural uh, uh, equipment. Uh, uh, this company's uh, farmer-first strategy serves customers all around the world. Okay. Them with trusted brands like Massey Ferguson. What do you think of Agco? And will you? Have I have liked money? Agco since forty. When the fabled Martin Riesenhagen used to rule the roost. Not only do I like Agco, but I bought one of their tractors. I think Agco is still good here. I know, I actually did. What can I say? Did, I like tractors. Get to the tractor! Let's actually get to the chopper. May I speak to Denise in Minnesota? Denise. Hey, Jim. Congratulations on on uh, dumping the, the haters. Uh, life's too short for that. I g- agree with you. The, my mentions column has turned into the love canal. <laughs> and I'm swimming in the love canal. <laughs> no Raft. more. No more. Uh, okay, no more. No more. Exactly right. Say, uh, thanks to you uh, as a recent retiree, um, 
I'd like your opinion on Prudential Financial and it's It's uh, too cheap. It's too cheap, Denise. I've been looking at that stock and talking about it with my friend, buddy, pal, Stephanie Link, also known as the Linkster on Scott Show. We both think the Prue is too cheap. Hey, I'm going to give you a twofer. I also like Hartford. I like Hartford, too. I thought that fellow acquitted himself very well yesterday. So I'm giving you Hartford and Prue, okay? Get to the tractor! All right. If you know where to look, you'll notice... The gauntlet that we are in now will throw some good buying opportunities your way, provided you use these seven rules. All right, on Man Money tonight, worried about Biden's plan to raise taxes on capital gains? I'm telling you why it could be time to circle back to dividend stocks. Remember those? And giving you 10 picks. You better write those down. Then now that we're in the heart of earnings season, looking for a clearer picture of where the market might be headed, well, I'm going to go off the charts to find out. And what the heck just happened to the shares of Centene? I'm going to sit down with the CEO after earnings, so stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. Last Thursday, the market got hammered, just crushed, when everybody freaked out about President Biden's proposal to end the tax-favored status of capital gains. While the plan would only hit the uber-wealthiest investors, those are the people who own the most stock, hence the initial panic sell-off. At the same time, I told you, take a deep breath, because there's no way Biden has the votes for this in the Senate. But I could see Congress passing a more modest tax hike, maybe taking the top capital gains rates from 20 to 25 percent. Regardless, I keep telling you this is not a reason to sell stocks of good companies. If anything, higher capital gains taxes are a reason to buy stocks, as long as you know which ones. See, when you read through Biden's whole proposal, there's not a word about raising the tax rate on dividend income. If the capital gains rate goes up to 39.6 and the dividend rate stays the same at 20 percent, 
that instantly makes dividend stocks a heck of a lot more attractive. Think of it like this. Biden's plan would create a world where every dollar of dividend income is worth $1.32 of capital gains. So as long as lots of rich investors are worried about this tax hike, you have to expect that the investors who want to pay lower taxes will start swapping into dividend stocks. Now, the dividend aristocrats have already been chugging higher for the past few months. The move started long before anyone was thinking about tax policy. We've got an increasingly crazy market where lots of people are worried about bubbles. The SPAC bubble, the non-fungible token bubble, and the bubble in high-flying tech stocks that still have ridiculously stretched valuations, even as they've come down big from their highs. In other words, there's a widespread fear of excessive speculation, and when that happens, Many investors will search for safe havens, safe havens like the high yielders, but the safe high yielders. Plus, it doesn't hurt that bond yields peaked at the end of March. Remember, bonds are the true competition for dividend stocks. When Treasury yields sink, anything with a big dividend becomes more attractive. So how do you play it? Okay, we'll do it for you. We pulled up all the highest yielding stocks in the S&P 500, and then we picked the 10 with the best stories, stories being short in for we like the reason why they can pay the dividend and the underlying philosophy and fundamentals. Let's tick them down. The top 10 dividend stocks that actually benefit from Biden's tax plan. First, if you want a big payout, I'm finally, finally, finally willing to endorse ATT with its glorious 6.7% yield. I have not been a fan of this one for a long, long time. ATT felt like a pitiful, helpless giant. Borrow a turn of phrase from the late, not-so-great Richard Nixon. It's loaded with debt. The core wireless business looked like it was being eaten a lot by T-Mobile, and we had no idea what they wanted to do with Time Warner. But last Thursday, ATT put those concerns to rest when the company reported an excellent quarter, 595,000 new wireless subscribers, a stunning 2.7 million net signups for HBO. It turns out half my office is watching HBO+. Plus. They watch a lot of the old shows. And then the flight attendant thing. Ah, mixed, mixed move. But 60% liked it, 40 didn't. All right, anyway, thanks to last year's big cost cuts, that's translated some terrific earnings worth. Plus, later that morning, CEO John Stanky, smart fella, went on Squawk Box, and I was impressed by his confidence. You've got my blessing to buy it. First time. First time on Mad Money, 16 years. Number two is Kinder Morgan. This oil and gas pipeline operator spent the last six years in the total and complete doghouse, justifiably, and when the whole group got crushed, when oil prices collapsed, and they never really recovered. But now the crude's rebounded back to the 60s, Kinder Morgan's begun to make an incredible comeback. Last Wednesday, the company reported some eye-popping results. Everyone ignored them. It was thanks to the natural gas spike caused by Winter Storm Uri. They're, use, they're using that windfall to pay down a big chunk of debt. Amen. And they're also winning lots of new contracts in Texas. Kinder Morgan even put through a modest dividend boost that no one noticed. So the stock now supports a 6.35 yield. It's a high yielder that's also a great reopening play. What's not to like? This is another stock I had totally lost my taste for that I can now live with or even purchase. Speaking of oil, Chevron has now got a 5% yield. How did it, was it boosted? No, the stock pulled back over the past six weeks. There are only two oil producers I'm willing to recommend. This one in Pioneer Natural Resources. Chevron's a fantastic operator. It's got a great CEO, Mike Worth, an intellectual, thank you. With a 5% yield, I think the stock is a steal. Fourth, we've got AbbVie, the huge drug company, 4.7% yield. We bought AbbVie for the Chapel Trust about a year and a half ago, and it's given us a terrific gain. Even after this move, I think they don't get enough credit for the big Allergan acquisition. Remember, AbbVie now owns Botox, and I'm betting that makes it a stealth reopening play because people want to get rid of those pandemic-induced wrinkles before they start going out again, and it's safe to go to the dermatologist. Number five is IBM. 
It was always saved. I'm just pointing that out. Number five was IBM. It's got 4.6% yield. Okay, a little complicated here. Remember, IBM plans to break itself up by the end of the year. They're spinning off the slower-growing infrastructure stocks uh, stock division, and it's now going to be called uh, Kindrel. That's K-Y-N-D-R-Y-L. Uh, like Benadryl, Kindrel, but not Anyway, after that, the remaining IBM will be more focused on growth, so you have to expect a lower yield. Still, IBM's turning around. The stock is cheap. And with that juicy dividend, they're paying you to wait for the breakup. IBM just boosted its quarterly dividend this morning from $1.63 to $1.64. I'll take it. Right direction. Six is Dow with its 4.5% yield. Last week, Dow reported what I consider to be a pretty darn good quarter. Stock plunged 6% because investors worry that it could be the peak. Right now, this company's got incredible pricing power because the demand is off the charts and its chemicals are in short supply. CEO Jim Fitterling told us on Squawk on the Street he believes demand will stay elevated. I agree. You're getting an excellent buying opportunity here. Number seven, wow, David Simon, Simon Property Group, the largest owner of shopping malls in the world. This stock's had an incredible run thanks to the great reopening. Stock's doubled since early November, but even up here, it's got a 4.25% yield. I know there's still a lot of skepticism about the long-term viability of the mall business, but there are good malls and bad malls. And Simon's got the best ones. Got a smart guy there running a thing. Tough guy. Anyway, number eight is Pfizer. Oh, wow. What's it still doing down here? Big pharma company making big money on COVID vaccines, especially now that we're hearing that this could be an annual thing. Pfizer's got a 4% uh, 4 yield, and the stock trades at just 12 times earnings. Nobody likes it because it's got patent cliffs galore. I think it's fine. I think it's a terrific safety stock. I think it's going to make it. Coming in nine, make it past the patent cliff. Coming in nine. Well, we got Lion Del Basil. Now, I have not recommended this one in a long time. Uh, this is another commodity chemical company. Again, thanks to the great reopening, they've got tremendous pricing power right now, which sets these guys up for some huge earnings year over year, okay? You, you, that's how you measure growth. Lion Del uh, Basil is uh, expected to earn $12.29 per share this year, more than double the $5.61 they earned last year. One caveat, they put on Friday. Based on what happened to Dow, I wouldn't be surprised if this one sells off on a good number. And that's your moment to pounce on this 4% yield. So this one you wait, okay? This it's when you wait. The rest of them are like you can buy them tomorrow, right? Last but not least is Crown Castle, my absolute fave big cell tower operator. We're cheating with this one because it only pays you 2.9% yield, but it's a growth opportunity. Too good to ignore. Long-time Kramer fave. Stuck in a holding pattern until early March. Since then, though, the stocks finally started getting some love, and the buyers were vindicated last week when it delivered a fabulous quarter. With the 5G rollout, I think this is an obvious winner, and I'm glad it's finally getting its due. Bottom line. If you're worried about Biden's plan to raise taxes on capital gains but not dividend income, well, that's not a reason to sell everything. It's a reason to buy dividend stocks. Dividend stocks like these. Stick with Kramer. Coming up, deep in the heart of earnings season, will the great reopening deliver? Kramer checks in on Apple and tackles the technicals to help make you money. Next. Summer. The best time of year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. 
with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now that we're in the heart of earnings season, the 72-hour period I call the gauntlet, we need a clear picture of where this market might be headed. Now, I'm a big believer in the great reopening thesis, as you know, but stocks rarely go up in a straight line. We've had a dramatic run. We're still getting flooded with new stock supply. And so many of the younger investors who jumped in on the high-growth bandwagon last year, now they seem to be being blown out. So what do we do? At moments like this, you don't want to get stuck inside your own head. You need a cold, calculating, empirical approach to the stock market, which is why tonight we're going off the charts with the help of Carolyn Baroden. She's the brilliant technician who runs the FibonacciQueen.com website. She happens to be one of my colleagues at RealMoney.com, where I blog. Right now, she's raising the caution flag on the recent rally in the S&P 500. Why? First off, the S&P's already exceeded not one, but two of her upside price targets, to the point where she's thinking, well, it's getting overextended. Broden says there's still a lot to like in the daily chart, but when prices get this extended, her methodology shows that moves tend to run out of steam, at least temporarily, something that wouldn't surprise me one bit. And the S&P is definitely feeling a little bit fatigued, as demonstrated by the weekly chart. So take a look at this, okay? Your fatigue setting in here. Before we get into the details, though, remember how Broden's method works. She takes past swings in a stock or an index, then runs them through the prism of Fibonacci ratios. That's a key sequence that repeats itself endlessly in nature. Flowers, pine cones, snail shells. And for some inexplicable reason, does the same thing in the stock market. And it does, empirically proven. Her goal is to find key price levels or key dates where stocks are primed to change the trajectory. In terms of pricing over the last few weeks, the S&P 500 has already blown through two of her price targets. The first one at 4012, okay, right here. And then the next one was at 4090. These were her initial price targets before this whole rally started. In terms of dates, well, check out the daily chart. Broden spotted two windows where a cluster of Fibonacci time cycles are coming due at the same time, meaning you're more likely to see this rally turn into a pullback. The first possible failure runs from yesterday through Friday. Okay, we've got a cluster of nine Fibonacci cycles this week. It doesn't mean the market will definitely roll over it, but it does mean there's a higher chance of a significant pullback within the S&P's broader uptrend. How about the second window? Okay, Broden's also noticed a healthy cluster of these timing cycles in May. Remember, she does both. Okay, so this March. And what happens is it shows you that we're not necessarily out of the woods, even if we've escaped this week unscathed. If we do get a solve, how bad could it get? Well, she thinks a pullback to 4012, the old ceiling of resistance, could easily be in the cards. And she wouldn't be totally shocked if the S&P sinks to the next floor of support down around 3720, 3720. Well, that would be a big hit, okay? 
Uh, that's why Broden thinks this is a good time to protect your profits. She recommends watching the daily chart. Her sell signal, okay, this is really important and is at the essence of what she's talking about. You have to watch the S&P five-day, the blue line, okay, uh, five-day exponential moving average, and it's 13-day, red line, exponential moving average. If the five-day crosses below the 13, indicating that's the momentum turned against you, it's also your cue to get out of Dodge. So all this is about the, this looking fatigued and rolling over. And how far? Well, that said, even if Broden's right that the S&P could be due for a short-term beatdown, remember that it's hard to swap out and then swap back in at lower levels. That strategy only works if you're nimble enough to pull it off. If you don't think you can get back in before the market snaps back, well, you're better off just hunkering down and trying to play through the potential pain. And that's what you know, she feels confident enough for, to make it so that you're going to have to get right back in, which is difficult. Uh, personally, I like to split, split the difference. Sell part of your position, perhaps, but keep something on the table. And that's what we've been doing with my charitable trust, although we actually did some buying today. Uh, you can see all the moves by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. The trust selling some, but not all. Even if Broden's not in love with the broader market here, there are plenty of stocks she feels very, very constructive about, including the largest one, including Apple. This one's a little fraught, of course, because it reports earnings tomorrow night. But check out the weekly chart. Apple bottomed roughly seven weeks ago on March 8th after pulling back 28 points from its high. Okay, so you can see the pullback here. This was a very similar to previous correction last year. And it's one of the reasons Broden's turned positive on the stock, because you'll often see moves repeat themselves like this. Meanwhile, Broden also spotted a cluster of Fibonacci price relationships that create a floor of support from 114 to 116. Sure enough, Apple held up above the zone and it spent the last month and a half working its way higher to 134 as of today. Now, she doesn't think it's run too much. I thought when she first suggested this that it had. She said, no, Jim, it's still got more room. Given the bottom at 116, okay, right? Broden's betting that Apple can make a 127.2% extension of the prior move. That would take the stock to nearly 153, up nearly 20 bucks from here. Why a 127.2% extension? Because that's where the Fibonacci levels say you can rally to before things run out of steam. However, if Apple can actually break through the ceiling at 153, well, guess what? She thinks it could go to 163. Of course, it might not be smooth sailing. I mean, I, I, I like this scenario, but Apple has a couple minor ceilings of resistance at 136 and 138. They could be roadblocks or they could just be speed bumps. If the stock can clear those prices, though, that tells you it's well on its way to Broden's long-term price targets right here. Really, though, as long as Apple holds above the March low, 116, well, guess what? She thinks that we've got a bullish setup. The bottom line, the charts as interpreted by Kyle and Broden suggest the S&P 500 could run into some real turbulence here, and maybe we get a short-term sell-off. Meanwhile, she's feeling much more constructive about Apple's ability to keep on trucking. I say own Apple, don't trade it. But that view does not extend to all stocks, particularly the overpriced and overextended tech names that trade at more than eight times sales. Those are the most vulnerable groups in the market. Can I go to Sean in Massachusetts? Sean. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Sean. Talking about Insego, I-N-S-G. Yes. Showing the earnings next week, and it looks to be like a discount for a company with some long-term value. The past quarter, they had the Wavemaker Pro certified in North America and Europe, and they just formed a distribution partnership. What's your thoughts? Well, my thought is, is that Insego came on after the big debacle. Uh, Dan Mondor came on, and he basically said, listen, that's not going to happen again. So Dan's got a lot on the line. And I keep thinking to myself, why would he come on here and say that, knowing that I will take him apart if they screw up the court? 
I mean, why would you risk that, right? And that's what I will do. All right, tonight's chartist thinks we could see a short-term sell-off in the S&P, but is feeling much more optimistic about, of all things, Apple. Don't trade it. Just own it. But it doesn't apply to all stocks. Uh, now, much more mad money ahead, including my sit-down with the CEO of Centene after earnings. Could the company's drop be a red flag or a buying opportunity? I've got the exclusive. Then, fine, I'll admit it. Reddit makes some vicious moves. I'll tell you how to avoid getting zapped and all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. What the heck just happened to the stock of Centene, the managed care company focused on government-sponsored health insurance plans? We thought this would be a perfect Biden stock. But it struggled to gain traction, finally getting some lift over the last couple of months. Then Centene reported this morning the stock just got clocked down 7%. So what went wrong here? Well, the headline numbers were strong. There was a real top and bottom line beat. Guidance was good, too. Management raising the full-year forecast. But there were some messy line items that torpedoed the stock. Most importantly, the health benefits ratio, the percent of your premiums that uh, the company actually spends on medical claims came in higher than expected. So is this a buying opportunity, or do we need to get more cautious? Let's check in with Michael Nidworth. Michael's the straight-shooting chairman and CEO of Centene. Got to get a better read on the quarter. Mr. Nidworth, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you. Good to be back, sir. All right, so, Michael, we got to address uh, what people were concerned about to see whether they're long-lasting. And let's just go over some of these so we can either check them off or, uh, or drill down. We have this, you know, we have this health benefits ratio, the medical benefits ratio. And people said you paid out more uh, than they expected. Um, it, it, to me, it seems very minor, but obviously with the stock down 7%, I have to address it. Yeah, I, I don't really understand it. You know, we had a better medical loss ratio than a year ago. And we said that, yes, it's up, but it's a product mix. We had a big, we added a lot of exchange. You may recall at the end of last year, we lost some members. We got back all that we lost and then some. So it's just simply a product mix. We said it was COVID-related in that product mix. But on balance, it was a great quarter. And you know, the, the fear on the medical loss ratio, I don't think is founded at all. Well, it, it was one time. Well, you know, it's interesting. I was listening to David Ricks today, and uh, David's been pummeled. This is uh, Eli Lilly. Down from 208 to one point was 177 this morning. And they had a lot of one-time uh, COVID issues that threw people off and gave people an opportunity. I felt that this was a similar situation because it's really tough to asterisk COVID, right? What it really did to your bottom line. I mean, we, 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 we had a great quarter. I mean, revenue was up, uh, earnings were up, GNA was down. We had to hit, as you said, in the medical association a little bit and not a lot, 50 basis points. And you know, when we explained it, we increased guidance. Uh, I mean, so on balance, and we see, and we even highlighted the tailwinds we have the balance of the year. We think that the redetermination will probably be extended within the year into next year. You know, everything about it, there, there, this, we've said positively that there was more tailwinds than headwinds. And it, you know, it's, um, it's a fickle market, I it guess. It is. It is. I mean, Medicaid membership growth, a suspension of eligibility yeah. redeterminations, these are good. Uh, the marketplace special enrollment period is going to be good. The hold on Medicare sequestration, these are all positives, right, Michael? Right. Yeah, we, everything, you know, everything was on the positive side. 
And we, we said, I, I didn't give guidance for 22 yet. We'll do that in June. But I said, the tailwinds are there. And I tried to be very honest and say, look, nobody can say that the COVID is over positivity. We're going through some more now. But we also said that some of what happens in 20s, 22 is going to be influenced by government policy. And that's honest. But it's all positive. This administration wants to see people insured. Well, so I mean, there um, was a decline in the marketplace. Uh, overall membership growth and also strong revenue growth, thanks in large part to welfare acquisition. But you did have a decline in marketplace membership from 2.2 million at the end of tw- uh, first quarter 20 to 1.9 million. Is that an issue? Well, it shouldn't be because we regained them all. In other words, we've added 321,000 members during, since January 1, when we lost 270 last at the end of last year. And we called, we said this could be as we could see it as high as 2.4 or better by the end of the year. Marketplaces come back. They come back strong. Is there so an issue? Uh, in, I, I know that there were some, again, these are all things that people use to try to justify a decline. And I feel like I'm playing their game and falling into their hands. And I apologize for that. But mm. uh, um, uh, Ohio had a tricky situation, correct? The Buckeye Community Ohio, Health Plan? Ohio, they deferred. We came in second. We have a plaintiff's law firm that's out trying to troll for people to take action against us. We told them on the street, go to the, uh, our website and we'll, you'll see our response to the court. We have been asking them to accelerate the hearings and things of the court. The plaintiff's bar asked them to stay it because oh, okay. they know they don't have a case. And they're out trolling other states to see if they can get them involved. There is nothing there. Jim. Well, I got to tell you, this you, is. I want to give you one fact. Okay, sure. I want to give you one Please fact do. that's important. The premium is the same for all the players. And if my medical expense is higher because of pharmacy or hospital or physician or something, I still get paid the same amount. So there's no reason to not be very transparent on all these numbers. Well, I mean, it's just. I got to tell you, Michael, just, I've seen this before happen to your stock. We, you know, we saw it in the 40s. It happened in the 50s, and now it's happening in the 60s. Every single time I've seen you, it's been a buying opportunity. I think it's right. one again. And we've been right together the whole way, and I'm not backing away. I see these raids, and I know how well you're doing. And it's a top and bottom line beat, and I'm leaving it at that. And I'm not looking through it, Michael. I'll tell you one other thing. I just We had the board meeting. They just told me, they said, we have the strongest management team. We're doing more in technology and digitalization than they ever anticipated we could do in the time we're doing it. I mean, it's, it's, we're, we're, we're working so hard to have satisfied providers, delighted providers, and recipients. I mean, all right. I, it's all coming together positively. Look, I, I believe it. I think that we're getting a couple. There's some things happening. There's too many companies reporting at this period, and your one is being thrown away, and it shouldn't be. I'm with Michael Nidwer. He's the chairman and CEO of Centene. Here's a stock that's down $4.69 that, frankly, shouldn't be. Mayor Bunny's back here for the break. Just chill out. Is this Chill Master Jay? The chill man is in the house. He's happy. The lightning round is coming up. When Mad Money returns. It is time. It's time for the lightning. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski dad over the lightning round. It's over Brad in Florida. Brad. Hey, Mr. Kramer. How you doing, sir? Couldn't have a better day. What's going on with you, Brad? 
I think it is. People are so busy thinking that it's a stay-at-home play, and when things open up, people won't use that. Give me a break. Activision Blizzard is a good company, and I'm fired. I need to go to Roddy in Texas. Roddy. Hey, Jim. Thanks for all that you do for us. I appreciate it, man. I need to know your opinion on Cody. C-O-T-Y. I think Cody's making a comeback. I actually like the perfume carrier, but if I'm going to recommend Cody, it would be doing a disservice to Estee Lauder and Fabrizio Freda. I suggest you buy E-L. Let's go to Damien in Nevada. Damien! Yes, thank you, Jim, for taking my call. I really appreciate all your words of wisdom. Well, maybe I get to meet you when the Eagles play out there. What's going on? <laughs> My question to you is on DraftKings. May 7th, their earnings report is coming out. Is this stock a buy, hold, or sell? Well, I think it's a very strong franchise. I don't want to play the earnings because I don't know how much gambling's been done uh, in this transition quarter where I thought there'd be more March Madness. I think there will be a lot of NBA playoff gambling, so I don't want to lose the train of thought there. I need to go to John in New York. John. Yes, Jim. How are you? I'm good, John. How about you? Okay, just fine. Uh, we're looking about at this stock called Futu Holding Limited. No, keep looking, uh, man. This is Chinese. We don't recommend. We recommend uh, Alibaba on the show, and, and we can deal with uh, JD and Baidu. Any more than that, we're going to start running a situation where I don't trust the PRC. I know the PRC. No one wants to talk about the PRC. And I had tremendous sales in the PRC, just so you know. And I'm going to go there one day and do a book reading if they let me. But we're not going to recommend that stock. Let's go to Mark in California. Mark. Hi, Jim. How are you? I'm good. How about you, Mark? Pretty good. Pretty good. Hey, I was calling on uh, the stock Advanced Auto Parts. I have liked Advanced Auto Parts for literally 100 points. And I got to tell you, I'm not backing away from it now. No, not here. No, no way. I think Advanced Auto Parts is an excellent stock. How about we go to... BL in California, BL. Hi, Jim. Thanks for sharing your knowledge and expertise with me. I really appreciate uh, it. You're very kind. Go into uh, Twitter and say that because there's uh, the Love Canal needs a little sprinkles. Go ahead. <laughs> now it's my question. As a backdrop, my money is held in an IRA. Okay. I bought Rocket Companies, RKT, at $35 which was too high in retrospect, and the stock currently is in the low 20s. Right. I'm down around $12,000, unfortunately. Well, look, I think that Dan Gilbert, I I think these guys are very, very good at what they do. A lot of people feel that the housing boom is over. I think that's ridiculous. Jay Farner is the CEO. I think he's really good at his job, and I want you to buy a little more, get get that basis better. Let's go to Tom in New York. Tom! Holy cow. Holy cow, you're a scary fella. With an earnings beat and an EPS beat with good guidance, however, the stock drops. What is your take on Enphase Energy? Well, Enphase Energy is one of the greatest performing stocks for the last five years. The problem here is is that it's become one of those high multiple casualties where people say, forget about it. I am a believer in Enphase Energy. I'm okay with starting a half a position here and then waiting simply because it does have a lot of bad money in it. Uh, let's take, uh, oh, Ethan from California. Ethan. Booyah, Jim. Been Booyah. watching you since my bar mitzvah. Thank you for all that you do. Well, that's you had this company on. You had this company on a few weeks back and hasn't done much since then. What are your thoughts on XL Fleet Corp? Simple. 
I wouldn't pick XL for the uh, stock draft tomorrow. Uh, here's the problem. XL, they did the short report about it uh, was difficult, and I'd like to have XL back to answer the short report. Otherwise, I can't recommend it. And that, ladies is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, was GameStop just the beginning? Kramer helps you prep your portfolio as the Reddit gang takes their activism to new heights. Next. All right. All right. We got to face some facts here. Like it or not, the gang at Reddit's Wall Street Bets, WSB, their forum, it's moving stocks left and right. They can turn small cap stocks into big cap stocks. They can take a household name that's failing, make it succeed. They can create a retail colossus out of virtually nothing. Normally, I wouldn't talk about an online message board, especially one that's full of people who love tearing into me on Twitter. I can't look at that mentions column, but I can't ignore them because I care about what moves stocks. And this band of 10 million self-described degenerates is the most powerful mob I've ever seen in the stock market. They're the ones who took GameStop from the teens to 400. They boosted AMC from the low single digits to the low double digits. And now they're operating on Microvision. Yes, a money-losing company that specializes in LiDAR, which is like radar, but with lasers rather than radio waves. A few months ago, this was a tiny company with a less than 2 bucks stock, okay? Uh, today, it's a $20 stock, and that's after pulling back from $28 peak just this morning, creating a lot of millionaires, as they say on the Reddit webs, Wall Street bet sites. Now, why Microvision? Simple, like AMC or GameStop, you can spin a good story about this one. It's got a gigantic short position. Once again, they're trying to bust the shorts. That's what they do best. I don't mind that they went after Microvision. I actually like the possibilities here. Last night, I got a call about the company, and I know that uh, a breakthrough LiDAR product could potentially solve the problem of self-driving cars. As Elon Musk said on the Tesla conference call last night, perfect LiDAR is the key to true collision avoidance. That's why I want Microvision and all the other LiDAR companies on the show. I need to find out more about LiDAR. Like I said, you can spin a good story about this one. But if you look at it from another angle, Microvision is just this little nothing company out of Seattle. It's never made any money in severe financial problems. Still, the very possibility that they might have a game-changing LiDAR system means Microvision can attract a lot of adherence, and it has. But really, this is less about the technology, more about the possibility of engineering a short squeeze. By targeting Microvision, the Wall Street Bets crew believes they can crush the short sellers who currently own 20% of the float. Given the recent action, it certainly looks like they're winning, doesn't it? I mean, this is today's action. Kind of crazy. They got 100 million. Well, they do what they want. Now, Microvision reports on Thursday, and the Bulls are hoping to announce a sale of either the whole company or at least part of it. Something management has said in the March conference call that they're exploring. The short sellers think it's all hokum. But there's a problem with the bear thesis here. Thanks to the stock's incredible rally, management can sell shares to raise money, just like AMC and GameStop did on the backs of other Wall Street bets moves. AMC only managed to survive through the pandemic because the Wall Street bets crew gave them an incredible opportunity to fundraise. So I don't know if Microsoft's got something special. What I do know is their financial difficulties are a thing of the past if they do continue to sell stock as part of an at-the-money program, literally dribbling some out every day, just like GameStop just did to raise $500 million. See, that's the crux of the situation. The stock market exists so the businesses can raise capital. By pushing up stocks like Microvision on the back of the short sellers, the Wall Street Bets crowd is creating a self-fulfilling situation. They can keep these companies alive until something good actually happens. And it's not that hard to make something good happen when investors are throwing money at you i got to tell you, I'm torn about this method of investing. It's been amazingly successful if you get in early, although the people who get in late are often left holding the bag. 
I like that it's kept AMC in business. I think that company deserves to be in business, and I like Adam Aaron, the CEO. GameStop, hey, listen, I think this guy, Ryan Cohen's darn smart. Maybe he can do something here. And if this company can raise money at the market in a program that's announced when they report, well, then they can be profitable. But I don't like the herd mentality, people. I don't like the almost religious sense of devotion to these pieces of paper. Look, maybe I'm old-fashioned. I want you to know what you own. That's the only way you'll know what to do once the short squeeze ends. And I got to tell you, they always do end. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, No one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.